Welcome to Pastors Confidential. We're Michelle and Eric Waters, and we're two pastors, one podcast. On each episode, we'll be answering one of your questions about God, the Bible, faith, and life. We're so excited you're joining us. Good morning, I'm Michelle. And I'm Eric. And we are back with our final episode of Hope in Hard Times. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. You know, I, uh, I'm i really looking forward to hearing what Dr. Chuck Baldwin has to say, because mm-hmm. he was actually one of the first people from St. John Lutheran Church to reach out to me. Oh. Yeah, when I was down here, um, August 2016 is when we came. Uh-huh. And in those months right before we came, I got a, got a couple emails from uh, people from the church, most of whom were on the call committee and things like that. Right. Uh, but one was from, you know, Chuck Baldwin. Okay, what said, did he say? <laughs> you know, I, he said, I'm really looking forward to, I've read your bio, I really look forward oh, to, to meeting you in person. I can't wait to hear you preach. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, yeah so, you know, uh, Chuck is one of those guys that I've, I've known even since before I got here. Right. And he also helps you out in worship. He does. He's one of our assisting ministers. Right. And he takes it very, very seriously. I was going to say, he always has his prayers very well thought out and put together. Yes, he does. He takes it very seriously and it's a very, it's, it's very much a, a faith devotion for him. And I, I like, I love working with him in that way. Right. So we talk on this podcast about just keeping hope up. He's a pediatric surgeon of many, many decades. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a wife who's been ill for quite some yeah. time. And, you know, so he's had his challenges. Um, and we, we do bring up this idea um, that I heard from Levi Lesko on a podcast that um, hurting with hope is still hurting. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, so we talk about how having hope doesn't just mean you think everything is perfect because it's not. And sometimes we have to hope against hope, kind of like Abraham did. Right. Yeah, that's a great point because people can have how, can have hope, but still, it, it's not a magic wand. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the the hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're I'm kind of struggling this morning. Um, you know, we have an acquaintance who is going through a real tough time in Ohio. Mm-hmm. This is kind of some senseless violence of a college kid, and this kid's hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And it's really hard to find hope. Yeah. Um, and as I was running this morning, I heard I was listening to some music, and I heard that Mercy Me song, Even If. Mm-hmm. I think we've maybe even talked about it before, but. You know, it says, I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just said the word. Mm -hmm. In other words, God can make it all go away. But he says, but even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. Amen. Amen. On that note, let's get to the interview. We are so happy today to have Dr. Chuck Baldwin on the podcast. And we're still talking about hope in hard times. So can I call you Chuck or should I call you Dr. Baldwin or what would you like? Yeah, please, please don't use the doctor. Let's just go with Chuck. Okay. Um, Chuck, uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, just where you're at now in this whole quarantine? I thought you would be very interesting to talk to because obviously you're in the medical field. Uh, He's a pediatric surgeon. You also have a wife who's had some health issues, so I really thought you could give us some insight. But just tell us a little about, you know, where you're at right now in your life, in your job, in your family, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, well, just to reiterate, uh, you've already mentioned that I'm a pediatric surgeon, and that's been my designation for the last 31 years, actually. Um, I'm still very actively practicing. I do between five and 600 major operations a year. Oh. And I still take all uh, 19 days a month. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty rigorous schedule. Wow. Um, pediatric surgeons, we, we, we like to sort of seize other specialties. 
specialists a little bit and uh, indicate that we're probably the only true general surgeons left. Hmm. Uh, but really, there's a fair amount of truth to that. I mean, I do chest surgery, abdominal surgery, what little bit of GYN surgery comes along uh, in uh, kids, and uh, I also do a fair amount of uh, general pediatric urology. So um, many times the adult practitioners have already um, you know, gotten off into more highly specialized areas. Right. We still do, we as practitioners still do a, a wide variety of, uh, of things. So uh, it can be interesting. It can be a little frustrating at times, but uh, I, when people say, well, when are you going to retire? My <laughs> usual response is, why would I do that? I still really enjoy what I do. So, uh, and plus, I sometimes tell them I never saw anything in scripture about retirement. So oh. it's important to do that. Okay, so have you seen, has it been less busy um, for you in terms of surgery and stuff because of the pandemic? Absolutely. And uh, so we get into the work situation for me, and then that, as you alluded to, kind of, um, in, well, I don't want to say entangled, but uh, it involves the family situation as well. Uh, <clears throat> Sky, my wife, is my uh, office nurse, and... Um, and as you mentioned, she has a, a, a chronic illness, which is something that is not curable, but it's one thing that can be managed. Um, and uh, when the uh, COVID um, business sort of heated up, it became apparent that I would, because of the medication she takes, would be in a high-risk group uh, for, for these types of infections. So basically for the past, uh, it's going to be almost a year now, um, she had to throttle down her, her work and her involvement in the office. Right. And so I really haven't had my, my office nurse working for me for a year. Oh. Um, we, do, we do have two employees, uh, and uh, they're, they're, uh, they're uh, people of faith, and, and so we've been able to hang in there. But the, the quarantine uh, period has really uh, affected my practice and, and other surgical and non-surgical practices as well. Sure. Uh, interestingly, we we never closed our offices at all. Okay. Uh, we, every day that we're supposed to have office patients, we have a schedule. Um, now, sometimes it's not been a very full schedule, but sure. uh, we've been there and been able to um, take care of the patients who need to be cared for. As you might imagine, with uh, pediatric surgery, especially with smaller children, um, some of the telemedicine things don't particularly work. And uh, now I think it does work for some pediatricians uh, for routine checkups and stuff like that. But some of the things we do, it, it really needs to be uh, pretty much hands-on. So mm-hmm. we've had a, a, a diminution in volume, uh, but uh, we have continued to work uh, through the whole thing. And fortunately, nobody in the office has uh, has come down with, uh, with COVID. And uh, so we're still plugging away. Okay. And, you know, I was thinking about your, your profession there. And at first I was thinking it, it would be not very hopeful to be working with these sick children, but I suppose in surgery, you're actually helping them so much that maybe it's not so hard for you to find hope in, in your line of work. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a blessing and a privilege to deal with these kiddos. And one of the things that I remind people about is that fundamentally children segregate themselves into one of two categories. They're either generally very healthy, uh, thank, thank God most of them are that way, or we have a group of 
children who have significant issues, health issues, even at a young age or uh, perhaps even in infancy. And so um, we know that uh, many times we, the, the kids are not particularly enthusiastic about seeing us. <laughs> uh, they're certainly not, they're, they're afraid of things. We don't even mention the word shock in our office. Okay. Uh, that's, that's taboo. And uh, we don't do maybe the thorough type of physical examination where we get kids um, basically undressed. We, we try to limit what we do to the, the issue at hand and just try to make them as comfortable as we can. And then I tell the kiddos all the time that uh, when you come to the office, your last, the last assignment you have before you leave is uh, to, pick, to pick out one of your, or pick out your two bribes. And the bribes for us can, uh, are suckers and uh, rubber duckies. So <laughs> work that those have vast collections of rubber duckies <laughs> that, that they're pretty proud of and they, they're sometimes they'll bring you a picture of them. Oh, wow. Um, but we, we, you know, some of the things that we do and, and the, 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 uh, the, the fear, if you will, and even some of the discomfort that we caused, if we didn't think that we were helping these kids, then it would be a, a, a terrible, uh, inhumane uh, uh, endeavor. But uh, yes. we, we, we hold to the hope that we are helping them Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, I tell people all the time, if if uh, an adult general surgeon sees an, an older individual um, and proposes an operation, uh, perhaps he is going to be in, interested in the five to ten year result. But for many, many of my patients, I'm looking for an 80 year result. Oh, wow. So the stakes are, are a, a, a little bit different. Yes. And, uh, and, that, that, mm-hmm. That's what we enjoy, and, and so we're able to, and we thank God we're able to keep doing it. Yeah, and you mentioned um, some of your office staff, and I know you and your wife are people of faith, and are you able to sometimes bring that into your work and, and pray with families, or I'm sure you can't do that all the time, but is that part of your your work at some point? Absolutely, absolutely it is. And uh, um, I, uh, there's, I have a coffee cup, and uh, it was presented to me by somebody that you know uh, quite well, uh, Anna Burquist. Okay. And when she came to the office as uh, as when she was still at Baylor um, as a uh, undergraduate intern, okay, uh, she would hear me talk to pa- parents because she always came in the room with me. And sometimes when I was trying to maybe explain why your child, for instance, has a hernia, this is this is all related to developmental embryology, and uh, Anna would hear me tell people that. In, in Psalm 139, verse 14, it says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. So this is a complex process. Yes. And so I would try to help them understand how their two-week-old baby has a hernia because clearly it doesn't anything to do with straining. Or uh, sometimes I tease the moms and tell them, no, it wasn't the, the fact that you had a glass of wine or took an airplane trip before you knew you were pregnant. Right. Things like that. Right. But we, we, have, a, we have a chance to, um, you know, to just let people know that, uh, that uh, we believe in a God, uh, and we believe in a God who is active in our lives, and He has designed us and uh, cares for us in a wonderful manner. And so then we also get to pray with people. And I'll ask people sometimes, would it be okay, especially before an operation, would it be okay if, I, if we pray for your child? Oh, wow. Um, and uh, even occasionally, and, and, and currently there's an example of this, but we'll even ask the family, is, is it, would it be okay if we if we put your youngster on our prayer list at church? And so I appreciate the opportunity now that we have to pass in the yellow cards. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've been so blessed with six kids. We've had very little, if not any major hospital stays. But I do remember when Sophia, my oldest, was, I don't know, 15 months. She just had this high fever for many days in a row. And we just, you know, finally ended up in the ER and I was pregnant. So with another child, so obviously so emotional, but it's so hard to watch your your child suffer. And I think it would have been so helpful to me if a doctor said, hey, can we just stop and maybe pray? I know that's not their role, but um, I love that you can do that or try to do that sometimes. Well, we get a sense uh, about that, you know, and how people might be receptive to that. Yeah. Right. Speaking of prayers and the prayer list at church, we've been praying for for your wife for quite some time. Um, so how are you? How are you handling that? Going from helping people in health at work to coming home and trying to help there. Um, how are you? Are you having hope? How are you feeling? Yes, I. I and I, I. It's not the pie in the sky thing, and it's not that every day is you know uh, you're on on cloud nine. Yeah. Uh, because there are definitely ups and downs. And, you know, this is true no matter what your profession, no matter what your family situation or your work um, environment is. But I think the things that help me personally, uh, I was, and I, I got an opportunity to think about this just a little bit. Um, absolutely, um, one thing is what we find in Scripture and multiple areas that we could talk about or passages that we could refer to, but just some of the things that, that came to mind uh, for me were Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Mm-hmm. for I know what I have for you, declares the Lord, <clears throat> plan for welfare and not for evil, and to give you a future and a hope. And um, sometimes I need to remind myself of that. Uh, there are certainly days when um, I get up and I'm not necessarily feeling very hopeful. Yeah. And uh, it, it, with regard to Sky's situation, um, we know that her illness is a chronic illness. Uh, we know that there are, are treatments and, and ways to manage it. Uh, and there are multiple things that impact the course of these uh, diseases. And, you know, some days are better days than, than others. But um, we have to remind ourselves that uh, even if we're not having a particularly good day, that, uh, that God provides us with hope. He cares for us. Um, you know, and when uh, Jesus was talking to the disciples, he reminded them that um, the, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, not to be anxious uh, yes. about things, not to be anxious about your body, and, and mm-hmm. use the illustration of the birds, and our Heavenly Father feeds them, and, and reminded us that we can't even add a single hour to the span of our life, uh, and so basically you don't worry about it. He says the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. And so, you know, we know that God is not the watchmaker who set everything in motion and then just left it to run down on its own. Uh, and 
I, I do, one of my favorite passages, honestly, is the 139th Psalm where David, uh, his, his song is that you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, they're just, uh, he goes on to say that, that my frame was not hidden from you mm-hmm. uh, when I was made in secret. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book for written every, every one of the days that, of the days that were formed for me when, when yet there was none of them. So I, the, the hope that God gives us and the confidence, um, and this, the bedrock principle for me of the principle of God's providence. Uh, and his activities in our lives and our world uh, is really a thing that is meaningful to me. You know, I I fall, I, I fall into the, I suppose it's a little uh, laxity, when I'll say somebody, well, good luck with that, or, yeah. you know, uh, wasn't that, uh, uh, almost as if it was just sort of uh, an act of fate or um, karma or whatever it is. And then I think to myself, no, I, that's not right. Uh, yeah. God in control. Uh, he knows our lives. He knows our needs. He has a plan for us, and uh, his providence uh, is over is over overreaching and overriding. And mm-hmm. so, um, I, I really, when I think about it, I don't believe in luck, um, and I, uh, I, I try to just more or less focus on the providence of, of our heavenly Father and the fact that I know that He loves us and. Yes. And I mean, you brought up two good points. One is that, you know, he is in control and he tells us not to be anxious, like you said, and that we can't add a single hour to our lives by through that worry or anxiety. And also that our hope is not just kind of some kind of pie in the sky. I mean, there are hard things we go through. You're going through a hard thing for sure with your wife's health. And um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of preachers, and I was just listening to Levi Lusco, who's, I don't know where he's out of Montana, I think. But anyways, he lost a daughter at a young age. She had an asthma attack. And he said that hurting with hope still hurts. You know, it still hurts. We still hurt as Christians, but we can hurt with hope because we do know we have this eternal hope in Jesus, and we know that Jesus is in control. So it's not that we we do live this pie in the sky. It's that we still hurt, but we do so with a hope. Absolutely. And, and we learned recently that one of our sons-in-law is not an absolutely firm diagnosis in terms of a tissue diagnosis, but very likely has a, a malignancy, uh, internal malignancy that's already spread. Oh. And, um, you know, we, we, we pray for the, we pray for, for Chris's, um, uh, healing. Yes. Uh, we pray that his tumor would go away. I, I pray that, that, that God would grant me the faith of that grain of mustard seed. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, we know a number of people are praying for this young man, and uh, and sometimes it's we can say, well, God is good all the time. Sometimes it's, it's easier to see that than others. Yeah. But uh, when, if we can have that bedrock um, anchoring to uh, God's providence and God's goodness uh, that helps us through the hard times but you're absolutely right there's no it, it, it's not just a, a happy day in yeah. a sense every day right besides the scriptures uh, I, I, I I've thought about some other things I really really enjoy uh, coming to church I was when uh, when Pastor Eric announced that we were the last church to close in the first 
I am thrilled to be able to come in person. Now, yes. I, I wish we could do the things that we used to do, all of them. Mm-hmm. And I especially, especially look forward to communion. And then, you know, I know we can only do that on a limited basis right now. Right. But, um, you know, that's a, a very important thing. I, I remember years and years ago, I was having a rough period in my life, and, and I felt like I, I shouldn't take communion. A dear brother of mine, you know, he came up to me, and he, he, he talked to me a little bit, and then he said, you know, he said, don't stay away from the table too long. Mm. And, uh, Good advice. That was a, yeah, that was very, uh, very significant uh, yes. encouragement to me. Amen. Yeah, um, definitely. And we I'm do sometimes. We do that sometimes. We we think we're not worthy of this, that, and the other, and we stay away when the one thing we need is the fellowship of believers and the Lord's Supper. Absolutely. Well, you know, and other things too help us out. Um, I, I'm not. A, I don't listen to many podcasts, but I listen to this one. <laughs> um, and uh, I was when you guys were talking about the fruits of the spirit and and. Um, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love, and I've never heard anybody comment on that, but when uh, Eric commented that, well, the, the reason they perhaps that is, is that, you know, right now, uh, in this life, we, we have faith, and, mm-hmm. and we have hope, but then we actually come to meet the Lord, um, and we spend eternity with Him, there's no more faith, there's no more hope, Right. but there's love forever. I know, that's, yes, and, that's uh, amazing. And so, uh, you know, and I actually think I, I, I shared with, with him at that point um, another thing that, that helps me. I, I, I like music. I don't have any real talent for it, but I like to listen to it. And I listen to, you know, Requia and, uh, oh, lots of things like that, classical things. But I also like to listen to contemporary music. I think I shared with Eric an Andrew Peterson song. Yes. He said faith, hope, and they're, they're going to be gone, but there's love forever. Amen. And uh, and so Fernando Ortega uh, is somebody that I listen to a lot. Uh, in fact, uh, I I had uh, tried to record with my with one of my daughters um, a song that I said, you know, I'd like I'd like this song sung at my funeral. Oh. Um, um, and, and then um, I recently ran across another Andrew Peterson song that fundamentally says, when you lay me down to die, you lay me down to live. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and so it's like, so those types of, you know, considerations or reminders are very important to me. And then, uh, Michelle, I shared with you not too long ago um, a book that gives me some encouragement just for the daily things in life. Uh, Every Moment Holy. Yes, Every Moment Holy, yes. Yeah, by uh, Douglas McKelvey. I mean, a liturgy for laundering and meal preparation. <laughs> I love the for medical providers for changing diapers. I actually got uh, some copies of that blown up to, to give to people when they have a baby. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you know, you, you are a very, that's one of your gifts is definitely coming across things that you think might touch someone. And I know you've shared with Eric and I books and music, Andrew Peterson being one, but two of the books you've given me definitely have been, um, they're on my top list, which for sure, every moment, holy, you mentioned, um, like you said, there's like a little liturgy for pretty much everything you're going to do in your day. And then the love thy body by Nancy Pearson. Again, if anybody's looking for something to read in these days, (laughs) 
go for those. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have to tell you that sometimes when I look in McKelvey's uh, book of the liturgies, I'm convicted about the one with road, for road rage and waiting in a line. So I look at those. <laughs> well, we need or, convictions. Yeah. Sometimes we need conviction. Yes. That's fine. Yeah, we, we, things that, that, that sort of meet us where we live in that particular moment when it's not a particularly good day. Uh, Lord, get me straightened out and, and, and get me headed in the right direction by whatever means uh, you, you want to touch my heart. Yeah, amen. Amen. And these days we can use that, I think, more than more than we all know. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just close with, has this been, um, have you lived kind of through some similar, since you're in the medical profession, I mean, you guys see these, not global pandemics all the time, but you see stuff. Um, is this different? Is this time different um, in terms of people's feelings of hope or despair or just how we're handling this? Does this seem to you different, I guess? This is different. Okay. This is different. I, I remember so well 9-11. Hmm. Um, one of my sisters and and her daughter, one of my nieces, were visiting me, and I was in Birmingham, and they were staying with me. And uh, I was to, they were flying out, they were going to fly out on 9-11, and I took them to the airport and dropped them off. And um, then I started to hear all this news, and I, I, I turned around and went back to the airport and picked them up because were flying right and, you know that was a, a big shock and we all sat around and watched things on tv and you know how could this happen and so mm-hmm. on and so on but yet things were concentrated in certain areas and then there were there were um you know uh, major changes as we all know that occur in in travel and flight and so right. on and so on um but still once the initial shock of it was over people were able to pretty much, at least on a local level, um, conduct themselves. They could go to the grocery store, they could come and see the doctor, they could go to the bank, whatever it was. But this, the pandemic uh, has been a, a, a different sort of a different kettle of fish because it's been so widespread mm. and there's the actual uh, medical implications and health implications, yes. uh, which you know, you can read about all the time, and of course, a lot of it changes from one week to the next. Mm-hmm. But um, people are are very afraid, yes. uh, and and this started, you know, with sort of rumors right at first. But then, as things got more serious, um, well, we weren't allowed to do elective surgery, uh, even if we were allowed to do some of it. We found that people were very reluctant to, to come to not just my office, but any medical facility. Yes. Uh, or even sometimes venture outside. And, and then when we said, well, it's, you know, things are okay, we can schedule this and so on. No, they didn't want to do it. Right. Um, I'm still quite amused at how well little children do with the masks. I thought that, that was going to be an issue. Right. But we see these preschool kids running around their fancy little masks, and they <laughs> do just fine with it. But, um, we still, I, I remember so well, I had a baby who needed something done. It wasn't urgent, but um, the mom was a nurse, and the uh, on, on a Thursday, uh, they announced that there was a case, uh, a COVID-19 positive physician somewhere at our hospital, and mom called our office at 10.30 Thursday night and said she was canceling the surgery because she didn't want to have her child come to yes. a place where there was COVID. Yeah. And so um, we've had lots of things that, 
that are just more pervasive, I think, Michelle, than, mm-hmm. than what that we got over some of the initial shockwave for the 9-11 stuff. This has just uh, affected almost everybody. And and uh, we, I still have patients, even to this day, where they don't want to stay in the a, a waiting area for surgery, even though there's very adequate social distancing. Sure. While the child's having an operation, they'll go and sit in there. Yeah. And we'll just want them to come back in afterward. And so, and then you can imagine some of the good effect that I had a little guy who was born um, about 10 or 12 days ago, and he needed um, some surgical treatment, which was a, actually a sort of a series of things. And it was unknown until the mom delivered that she was COVID positive. So oh. she and dad both got sent home in quarantine. Oh. Couldn't even see their baby. Oh my goodness! Uh, keep track of this little premature baby by Zoom, oh. and that was—it's not just our hospital. I mean, that's all the places. And yeah. So, so these things have affected people in a way that even um, 9/11 uh, didn't. And I'm not sure when it will all settle down or if it will all, all settle down. But I think people will become more accustomed to things and hopefully get back toward more normal routines. Yeah, well, I think that's, and that's a good point to end on. I mean, this is different because, as you mentioned, the fear, the factor of fear, it's just, it is pervasive and, you know, people are handling it differently. But as Christians, and we've talked about this on the podcast, and, you know, Eric mentioned in the first sermon after that, you know, we just, we have to trust in the Lord and we trust with it. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, right? In in God, whose hope I pray. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, just to, to, to tack on to one thing that the Pastor Shelby said last week about uh, the passage of uh, his dear wife into the near presence of Jesus. Uh, my mom was in a nursing home in the Chicago area for about uh, four years after a stroke back in 2016. And one of my sisters uh, lives out there, and she was visiting my sister when she had a stroke. But at any rate, mom passed uh, on February the... Uh, eight. And we have been so thankful that in God's providence, uh, he allowed her to come home before all the COVID business took effect, because it would have been very difficult for her and very difficult for my sister not to be able to to go and visit mom. Mm. I mean, they had everything locked down. And uh, so mom would have been 99 if she had survived until May. Wow. Wow. She lived a good life and and uh, so sometimes my wife was encouraged by the longevity of my parents, and otherwise I think she just hit her head. <laughs> oh, and wow. I just couldn't help but think of that when, uh, when Pastor Schulte was mentioning the passage of uh, Francis and, and yes. how she missed the, uh, the, what I call the COVID chaos. Exactly. And that can be a, that was a blessing there and a blessing for your mom as well. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much for, I know you've been so busy. I know you've been so busy. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I know people are going to get a lot out of your words. And I'm just really grateful that you joined us today. Well, thank you so much for asking me. I just, I, I was totally surprised when you sent me the email. And <laughs> I thought, well, yeah, sure. I, I would be glad to, to talk on this. This is the only podcast I listen to. So uh, certainly I should, I should speak on it if I have an opportunity. All right.